So what I wanted to talk about today is the topic of maturity. We use that term, the term maturity, to refer to something that has come to its potential, has been actualized, that has come to its fullest development. It doesn't necessarily mean something is perfect, but it's, it's come to the point where it can now function or do the things it's supposed to do. And this topic of maturity is very important for the church, for priests. Uh, uh, when I went to seminary, they were trying to figure out if I was mature enough to be a priest. And so you have, you got, you have your peers who evaluate you, you have the faculty, the bishop, all sorts of different people. For five years, I was underneath the microscope. And what they were looking for were four areas of my life to see if I was mature enough enough to be a priest. Intellectual formation, spiritual formation, pastoral formation, and human formation. Human formation means that I can play well with other people, uh, I can make friends, periodically I wash behind my ears. That's human formation. Intellectual formation, very simple. We learn stuff so that we can uh, proclaim the good news to people, and serve people well by having some background of what we believe as Christians. Pastoral formation, learning the principles, getting some experiences and habits down so that when we interact with people, we can release the most blessings as possible. And then finally, spiritual formation, that we can have a balanced spiritual life and through thick and thin, with the Lord, we can grow through his grace and his love. So what they were trying to do was to mature us as men into spiritual fathers. Spiritual fatherhood means that we not only have a relationship with Jesus, and we not only know how to be fed by the Lord, his revelation, his grace, but now we're at the next level where we can go out and feed other people. And so the church, all of you have a right to expect that a person who's ordained gets to a very basic level of maturity. Rightfully so. I mean, imagine how shocked you would be if I came up to the pulpit and I was lacking in, let's say, pastoral formation. I said, hey, I got an idea for you guys of how we can raise money. This is what I'm going to do with your money. Every week, I'm going to go to Joomers, and that's how I'm going to raise money for this parish. You would be, you would be completely shocked. Or if I came up here and I said, hey, did you know there's more than three people to God? You got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I had this dream last night that there's this other person called Fred, and he's a part of God, you know? You would hear the record scratch, and somebody would say, check please, and you'd go to Milan or wherever. Uh, because obviously I did not reach a certain level of maturity in my intellect, in my spiritual life, or something. We have a right to expect a certain level of maturity, and we hold other people to these levels. Like, if you think about what it is to be an adult, my buddy, Father Bruce, and I were thinking last night, what, is, what are components of being an adult? Well, one component is, if there's a problem, you don't run away from it, you don't blame other people, you face it squarely, and you deal with it. Adults are able to forgive other people and be forgiven. Adults are willing to invite people into friendship. Adults prioritize their responsibilities and their commitments and their values. They manage their time well. Adults don't have... In my family, we had my cousin's name is Chrissy. And she, as a little kid, would have a fit. So whenever she had a fit, we'd call it Chrissy Fits. Adults don't have Chrissy Fits. Adults are able to, uh, to, to be people who are constantly seeking to learn for whatever's in, in front of them. They're not waiting for it. If you are a plumber, you're going to take classes on growing your skill. You don't wait for somebody to say, hey, here's a class for you. No. An adult is an ongoing learner in the areas that God has placed before him or her. Imagine how shocked you would be 
If you came back from a long day of work and your spouse, barring any kind of medical reason, is dressed up in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, you know, uh, I don't know, undies, and has a, a, a rattle in one hand and their thumb in the other, and they say, I want a bottle. Ga ga goo goo. Please burp me. You know how shocked you would be? I mean, come on. We can expect that as adults, there's a certain level that is called maturity. Now, okay, I bring this up because in today's gospel passage, the Lord visits his people. It's one of the first occurrences. And so you have these two men who are disillusioned by the crucifixion of our Lord, and they're heading off to Emmaus, this town a bit away. And as they go towards Emmaus, that Jesus appears to them. They don't fully realize it's him. They have this conversation with him, and eventually they, they have a meal together. In the breaking of the bread, Jesus reveals who he is. They get very excited. They run back to the apostles to tell them the good news that Jesus has been raised, just as he said he would. The apostles are having a hard time understanding this and believing this, and so the Lord appears to them. Jesus says to them, peace be with you. Now, the apostles still, they're still kind of confused, and they think it's a ghost. And so Jesus takes the time to show evidence that he's not a ghost. He has flesh and bone, and look at my hands, look at my feet. You got some food because I'm hungry. I want to watch. I want you to see me chew on this fish and swallow it and eat it. I am here with you. Jesus then explains the scriptures to him. At the end of the gospel today, he says, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead, and on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So he's saying here, at the end, look, you are witnesses to the fact of who I am, what I did for you, that now there is the resurrection from the dead. You are witnesses of the forgiveness of sins. And now, what's going to be preached? This message, me, I'm going to be preached from Jerusalem all the way to the ends of the earth, to all the nations. The question I think we need to ask ourselves, is who, who are these people who are going out and preaching? Because um, these people need support. Who are they? And I think as Catholics, we tend to default on, practically speaking, assuming that that's the responsibility of the elite, super spiritual Christian. Maybe that's the priest with the master's degree in theology. Maybe that's the nun or the professional layperson who's hired by the church to do ministry. And yet we know, we know that the ones who are supposed to preach are not just these few people. They're supposed to be all of us. And what the church wants us to do is to, be, uh, to send out these people to proclaim the good news, and they can't be infants. They can't be in their onesies crawling around and proclaim the good news. They want grown men and women who are spiritual fathers and mothers to go out and proclaim the good news. This is the responsibility Jesus has given us. And our, our reaction is that that can't be me. That can't be me. I can't do that. That's, that's for somebody else. I, it, it cannot be me. And what the Lord is saying is here. Here's my tractor. Here's the field. I want you to get on that tractor. I'll sit right next to you. And we're going to plow this field together. And I'm going to plant the seeds. And we might say, well, no, that's not my job, Father. I can't do that. Tractors are complicated and they're scary. You could get your foot stuck under there. And the Lord said, don't worry, I'll show you how to do it. First thing is, I'll show you how the tractor works, and you'll sit on it, and I'll drive, and then eventually you'll be driving, and I will be the one who's dropping the seeds into the field. This is what our Lord is saying. St. Paul echoes this. He talks about maturity, that what it is to be a, a, a mature Christian, 
to not be an infant, but a mature Christian. He says this in Ephesians. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then he goes on to say, then we will no longer be infants going gaga, goo-goo. Okay, that's my addition here. We will no longer be infants, gaga, goo-goo, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So St. Paul is saying here explicitly, these charisms of these fivefold offices of apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, these have been given to the church to equip the saints. That's us. We're the saints. So that we can grow into maturity. That the primary task of pastoral care is not the clergy. It's every single one of us. The primary care of ministering the good news to the world around us, all the way from here to Muscatine, up to John Deere, to wherever we work, wherever we are, that is the role of all the baptized. It's the job of the clergy, perhaps, the professional religious, I guess, to offer ways to equip people in order to be trained in the very specific skills. Just like a plumber would have to take courses and practice, there are specific skills in pastoral care, some of the skills we learned in seminary. Unfortunately, I was grossly unprepared for ministry when I left seminary. But the role of the layperson is to say, I'm not going to wait around for, tra- for training. I'm going to look for it. I'm, not, I'm going to do it. And when we do, then the church becomes missionary disciples. We become people who don't say, you know what? I'm going to give Father a hand and bring the Eucharist to the sick. No, we say, this is my ministry. This is what Jesus has given me. This is how I'm going to build up the body of Christ. So I think this is the hard question for each one of us is, um, are, we, are we pastoral infants? Did Father just call us little babies going gaga goo goo? Uh, oh, no, you didn't. Uh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we have to evaluate ourselves. Do we have the skills in order to spread the good news to the world? And if we rely upon the assumption that it's the clergy's job, two things will happen. I'll get burnt out because there's no way that I can reach all the people from Muscatine to wherever. I just can't do it. And then secondly, most importantly, is that people won't be ministered to. Our job as Christians is not whatever happens here within the physical territory of this church, but it is is the territory of anyone we reach throughout our daily life. Jesus is saying, I'm counting on you to get on that tractor. If you don't get on that tractor, the the fields are not going to be plowed. There's going to be no harvest. We're going to have a bunch of weeds that are growing in the field. This is your job. I'm giving it to you, and don't worry. I'm going to sit next to you on that tractor. I'm going to be with you. As I mentioned, when I was ordained, I was grossly unprepared with the basic skills of pastoral care. The diocese thought I was ready. Maybe they were operating off of the wrong categories, or maybe I slipped by, but here are some basic skills. A basic skill is being able to know the language that God speaks to you specifically of how to hear his will for the mission that he's sending you on. You have to learn that language yourself. Some people, it's through dreams and visions. Others, it's in different ways, through holy desires and through reflection with a group of people. Another basic skill is being able freely and just 
with great ease, praying with people in public. I was at the soup kitchen over in Davenport yesterday, and uh, I think we fed about 125 people. It was really a good day. Um, but I didn't notice any of the volunteers praying with the people coming in. I prayed with like five people. It, was, it wasn't that hard. You just say, what kind of blessing do you want from God? Okay, let's pray. That's a basic skill that I didn't have. I came out of the church still wearing my under, underoos and, you know, had uh, Thundercat bedsheets and whatever, with my little green army man in my hand. And what I said was to myself was, look, I want to be a man. I've got to put on big boy pants. And this was years into the priesthood. And I said, okay, if I want to get wet, you've got to go out in the rain. Duh. So what I did was I looked for people who had pastoral skills, and I would ask them, can you teach me? How do you know what to say? What do you do? What things are you pretty good at? What does it mean to have the skill, the pastoral skill of accompaniment? What does that look like? When we invite people to things, which is a skill in itself, what is the best way so that they feel like you have a, a say in their life, they feel, feel invited, and that what you're inviting them to, they can actually benefit from? How do you speak to people so that they get over, overcome their personal feeling of being unworthy. Oh, I can't do that, Father. I couldn't be a lector because, shoot, I'm not worthy. Or I couldn't start a, a Bible study. Shoot, I, I don't have a theology. How do you help a person overcome their personal issues of feeling unworthy, even though Jesus has made us worthy? How do we, how do we help people do that? These were skills I had to learn. Now, here's the thing. I think we should be just as shocked if we saw our spouse in Pokemon pajamas with their rattle and their bottle when we got back at home, we should be shocked at that, and we should be just as shocked by the fact that the far majority of Catholics, including priests, lack the pastoral skills in order to spread the kingdom. I think we should be shocked by that. But we shouldn't despair over it. It's just we've got to address the issue. As one, one of my buddies said, you'll never go to the doctor if you don't think you're sick. What does an adult do? They see a problem, they confront the problem, they don't run away, they don't blame other people. They say, look, I, you're right. There's some things I've never been taught. I didn't know I had to be taught. I didn't know that I needed practice. I didn't know that was my responsibility. I didn't know what to do. Maybe I understood these things. I didn't know who to go to. What our Lord's saying is, look, um, you don't have to have everything set and ready to go right away. But I want you just to get on the tractor. I want you to look at it. I want you to find somebody who can sit with you on that tractor. Because, after all, I'm here to change the world. And what we say in response to our Lord, and if we're coming to grips with the fact that we may be, you know, pastoral babies, going gaga goo goo, we say, I can do anything because of Jesus who is in me.